Hey, Digitally China is produced together with our friends at Radii, this awesome independent media platform. If you're interested in culture and innovation in China, you should definitely check out RadioChina.com. They'll give you an inside look into everything from China's underground music scene to bike sharing. That's R-A-D-I-I-China.com. A leaked internal email from Jingdong or JD, one of the largest e-commerce companies in China, has been making rounds in Chinese media lately. The email is controversial and has been hotly debated because it designates three kinds of employees that the company says it will fire. So those who can't struggle hard or go all out, those who aren't capable or have poor performance reviews, and those with a low quality to price ratio. That last point seems to be the most controversial because it talks about employees as if they were objects and explicitly says that younger and less costly employees could replace those who have moved up through the ranks and have a higher salary. And what this incident or leaked internal email illustrates is how dehumanizing corporate culture in China's tech industry can be. So nine and six at its worst, where employees feel like cogs in a machine or tools on an assembly line. Recently, we had an episode about if China is better for talent than Silicon Valley. Actually, 996 was mentioned both on and off record, being one of the key things that made people not wanting to work in China. People on both sides of the ocean, I guess. So, overseas Chinese who have decided to stay in the U.S. or you know returnees, both of them mentioned 996 as something that people complain about in China and something that is not that attractive about coming back to the Chinese tech industry. Actually, one of them, Andy Liu, who moved from Canada back to Beijing, it was one of the most striking things that he noticed when he came back. I was、uh, stunned how hard people work here. Really,、um, I heard about this 996996 sort of thing startup community. I learned that they would start working at 10 o'clock in the morning and wrap up their work around like 9:30 p.m. So 996 sounds exciting to me at first, and I was, you know, fairly eager to experience that. But I, I think after two to three months of working with my clients at, you know, at that point of time,、uh, I kind of felt physically I was a little bit burnout, and I noticed the people in my clients' team were burnout too. And then after this episode, we did another one about the slowdown in the Chinese tech sector. And around the same time, Radii, the media platform that we produced this podcast with, wrote an article about 996.ICU, a now viral discussion triggered by Chinese engineers about the inhuman requirements to work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Welcome to Digitally China, a podcast about the fascinating Chinese, Chinese tech, tech industry, industry created together with Radii. I'm. Eva. I'm Jacob, and I'm Tom. So, according to various studies, China's gaming industry is now, in fact, the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat. Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international companies at record pace. Hottest phone you've probably never heard of. China's Xiaomi. Yes, it's state. It's claim. Major deal over in China. You have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an 8.6 billion dollar acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell. 14.3 billion dollars in sales clocked by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day. I think what's important to point out, and what's interesting to me about the timing of 996.ICU, is that for a long time, at least publicly, people were very positive about 996 and quote 
Chinese work ethic in general, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people praised or use it as kind of a symbol of how hard people in China are willing to work or this high level of hustle. Um, that's a word I think that the startup industry has ruined for me. But yeah, people kind of point at 9 and 6 as a, a very positive thing. So I think it's interesting to kind of circle back now and look at the more critical discussions people are having. So let's start with the basics of 9 and 6. Actually, a year ago, I would claim 9 and 6 became kind of famous on the global stage outside China, thanks to Mike Moritz, the partner of Sequoia Capital, writing an op-ed for Financial Times, talking about the work ethic of Chinese startups and how they would pull 12-hour days, never stop and work faster and harder than the American counterparts and how that was a threat to Silicon Valley. Yeah, because I remember one of the more controversial parts about his op-ed was that he kind of juxtaposed working really hard and then asking for benefits like maybe paternity leave I can't remember clearly now but weirdly contrasting them like oh we're wasting our time asking for benefits when we should just be working all the time that's kind of like one interpretation of his op-ed. So I remember it making the rounds on Twitter. Yeah, and actually a lot of people were discussing it. And at that time, as you mentioned before, the public perception about the Chinese startup culture was very positive. You know, they're working so hard, they have endless energy, they're just shipping products all the time. And even the people in the industry here in China felt proud about, you know, we're showing the world how it is supposed to be done. We can work super hard and we can do stuff much faster than anyone else. At the same time, I feel like there was also a significant undercurrent of dissatisfaction about this. So a lot of people would kind of look at this normalization of overtime as a sign of low productivity. And I could hear that from both people inside and outside of China talking about like does this total sum of time really translate into more output or is it simply teaching people or encouraging people to be less productive and actually interestingly enough I remember a few weeks before the 986.ICU GitHub project you know where people are um, airing their dissatisfaction with 986 like before that project became really public and covered by media I remember periodically over the years actually there would be sporadic reports about people being worked to the point where they suddenly died or had health problems. And then there are also reports, and this isn't unique to China, but about founders committing suicide. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely agree that people spun or viewed 9 and 6 in a very positive way until recently. But yeah, there's also this other fairly constant, like there were people who were critical of it is what I'm saying. And it's not coming out of nowhere. I think one of the main triggers of the public perception now changing regarding 9 and 6 is the GitHub project 996.icu. Yeah, so 996.icu is this shared project on GitHub, which is a platform that a lot of developers all over the world use to share software. So at the end of last month, there's this project called 996.ICU that came out. Like 996, obviously, is the work schedule, and ICU refers to intensive care unit, so directly referencing the negative health impacts that working overtime constantly can have on you. And the project has a few elements to it. So there's one part, which is the anti-996 license, which is like a, a software license, so... Um, you know, if you develop something, you can attach this license to it. So anyone who uses it needs to respect labor laws, basically. Like, you can't force people to work overtime without pay. 
it's grown, so people keep contributing to it. And so there's now like a blacklist and whitelist of companies that enforce 9 and 6 and those who don't. And there's also like a knowledge sharing on this project too. So there's people who've written about their experience working in other countries and how the working conditions are um, in, say, New Zealand. Um, and there's also like a little bit about labor laws. So people know that, okay, according to Chinese labor laws, actually like employers should not force people to work more than 36 hours of overtime a month or, you know, how much you should be paid if you are working overtime. And so it became really popular. A lot of people were starring or, let's say, liking and favoriting um, and discussing this project. So actually, one of the first things I want to understand is how widespread 96 actually is and, you know, why do companies implement them and how do people feel working under 996? Yeah, so to understand more about, you know, why people do 996, why it's so common in China and also what developers, the kind of discussions developers are having about this project and also about working overtime, I spoke to Xu Ming and Xiao Yang, two people who contribute to the 996.ICU project. Hi everyone, my name is Xu Ming. I've been a front-end developer for two years. Previously, I worked in Wuhan, now I'm in Hangzhou. I'm a contributor to the 996 ICU project. So I think based on my conversations, it's actually kind of tough to quantify or say clearly how widespread 996 is. But I think what we can say is that the concept of working overtime as a system, as like a regular thing that you do, not on a project basis, is not that uncommon here. So both people that I spoke to actually brought up this idea of da xiao zhou, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, um, but it's this concept that you take one day off the weekend every other week. So you basically Mm -hmm. have a normal weekend or two days off every other week. That's your Hmm. small week. And your big week is when you work six days a week. And to your question about like why people do this is, I think, in summary, uh, competition in China. Yeah, I think especially for China, this makes a lot of sense. You know, we all know about the Chinese tech industry being this hyper-competitive environment. You know, when Groupon entered China, they had thousands of competitors, and that's been the same thing. And and we many times talk, for example, how Meituan could be the only one that won of four or 5,000 Groupon clones. And that probably requires the teams to really work overtime all the time and just be at it 24-7. So it makes a lot of sense that this has been existing for a very long time here in China. Yeah, and I think that like people often point out that apps in China, like features are constantly being pushed out, right? If you think mm-hmm. about WeChat a year ago and now, it's a huge difference, right? Like how much they've done with many programs or two years from now, like features are constantly being updated. Maybe part of the reason why is that people are really worried about the competition here because it's so fierce. Um Actually, Xiaoyang, when we were chatting, I don't know if this is a good comparison at all, but he talks about Twitter, right? And how Twitter hasn't had that many changes over the years. But in China, products move quite quickly um, and they change a lot. So in that sense, there is this idea like if you think about all your resources compared to a competitor, one of it's money and of course there's talent and your product concept. But then you can also think like if I just push my team really hard and we work harder than our competitors, well, then like maybe we can survive, maybe not even win, but survive. So I do feel like there is that pressure on everybody that maybe encourages people not even just to work 996 per se, like as a rule, but just work tons of overtime.
When talking to a bunch of people in the industry, I get the distinct feeling that due to the fast growth of the Chinese tech industry, considering the need of these large corporations, we're seeing a really large workforce in terms of software engineers, which kind of has fed this entire culture of we just need to throw more people at the problem. Let's just ask them to copy whatever someone else did and let our users kind of first give us the traffic to understand whether we should put our super smart people on this specific user problem or not. I think as a software developer, if you get hired by the BAT, that's a pretty big deal. You know, you get you have pretty good salary, you have good benefits, maybe you can move to a big city, and then maybe you can move your hukou, which is like, I guess, you know, this paperwork that ties you to a certain place and impacts like school, health, and other social benefits. Like maybe if you work for Baidu, you can move to Beijing, and then you can settle there and buy a house in like one of the big cities, right? Um, so these companies are really attractive still, even if they have like a negative work culture, But because there's so many people that qualify or this feeling that you're competing against tons of other developers for these limited headcounts or these limited job slots, it also, I think, contributes to people accepting overtime. Right. Yeah, actually, I was listening to this Chinese podcast about the topic of nine and six, run by a few engineers. So they're really into it. And one of the most insightful things was them reflecting over if they could apply nine and six in their current teams or their current companies. And the instant reaction from both of the hosts were, "Of course not. Do you know how hard it is to find a really good engineer? The second I implement nine and six, I'm going to lose all the good people." And that for me was really weird because my assumption would be that all these startups with very small teams they would be the ones doing nine and six to the extreme, and the larger the company grows, i.e., becoming Ali or Tencent, the less they do nine and six, considering they already are ahead of their competition. Yeah, I think it startups too. Like, there's this idea that you work overtime because you're passionate. Right or like everyone has a cause,、mm-hmm. and maybe at bigger companies,、um, this concept of nine and six or daca, like clocking in and out, is seen as more necessary because you have more people. And so management is just tougher. And, and here comes actually the overall question that's been in my head all the time, because the tech industry is not alone about having the employees working overtime. You know, we've all got friends that work in the advertising industry, management consultant, or investment banking, right? All of them pull long hours at work. So how is it different for the tech industry versus them, or is it just that this is such a new thing for the tech industry? So this is the first time people actually. Discussing the fact that you need to work overtime. So when I talk to people in the tech industry about this topic, I don't think people are against the idea of overtime. You know, like if it's necessary. So for example, we have a deadline. Okay, I think at any startup, not just in China but all over the world, if you have a deadline, like you put in some extra hours to meet that deadline, or if you have a client, right, and it's a project. Well, usually, like during that period, like let's say any agency. You have like hectic cycles where you're working with clients and then you have to deliver something. Again, it's about the deadline, but I think the issue is when it becomes like a long-term thing that you do that isn't, you know, regardless of whether or not you have a hard deadline, you have to work nine to nine p.m. or work until after dinner, etc. I think that's when it's really an issue. So, and I think the negative, the consequence of that is just low productivity. Um, which is something that Xiao Yang, one of the 996.ICU contributors, mentioned. I'm part of the post-90s generation. I've been working for about two years, and I do front-end development. 
Under the 996 work system, a lot of companies have very low productivity. Their employees all know that. If you add up the amount of time you spend actually working, it's about eight hours anyways. The work in this industry has a high salary relative to other jobs in China. If you don't do it, someone else will. I think that's the root cause. It's a cruel reality. There are too many employable people. I'm not saying that I hope there are fewer people. There's just nothing you can do about it. Everyone is thinking along the lines of time is money. For example, if I have competition, it's definitely better if I push out my product before them. But in reality, oftentimes no one has thought through the details of what they're building. They don't even know if they need these features. They just think, if the user doesn't need it, it doesn't matter. But if they do, then I make money. So when you push out a product, there's actually a lot of unnecessary things, and the underlying infrastructure isn't built well. It just feels like this is more of a question about having official policy called 9 and 6 and respect to your employees and your engineers versus the fact about working overtime. Because many times, you know, you see a lot of friends and they say, you know, I can't join for dinner because we got this huge deadline. We got this huge project we're going to deliver. You know, it's so exciting. I got to stay and we got to finish. Yeah. And that feels almost like a point of pride for a lot of people, including me. But if the reason you can't join a dinner is because, no, my boss says I need to be at work until 9 p.m., sorry, then obviously that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is about choice, right? And I think something else is just also being compensated for overtime if you do it a lot or if you're being required to do it to be compensated for it. So not like on a deadline basis, but if you are going to tell people they need to work 12 hours a day, you know, compensating people fairly for that. And that's actually one of the components of the 996.ICU project, which is pointing out things in China's labor laws and how... It says like you need to you know, compensate people for working a lot of overtime. Just one of the points that Xuming brought up. My main issue about this is that this is a question about maturity for tech companies. Because if we look at the American ones, they're able to kind of say that they require people to work very hard because they have a greater mission. You know, we're trying to disrupt this industry. We're, we're trying to change this in society. Therefore, we need passionate people here that are ready to, you know, not have any life outside work. While I think the tactical mistake made by a lot of Chinese tech companies is that they got lazy. Instead of trying to kind of have this mission-driven purpose, they instead just said, oh, we have a policy. Everyone needs to work really hard because it's really tough to run our business and we need people working harder so we can make more money. Yeah, I think there's like a range here as well. So... Like, for example, maybe at the lower level, it might be more of a peer pressure thing. And this is very common, for example. Like, you don't leave the office because no one else has left the office at 6, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're even done, but you're like, "Mm, I'll do, like, a bit of, you know, I'll do some other tasks while I'm here. And I'll stay longer because everyone else is here. So I think, like, some of it's more subtle. It's not, like, a strict 996 um, clock-in, clock-out system. But then I think there are, like, different tiers of, like, of how uh, companies or managers might enforce you to work over time. Like, from what I've heard, like, maybe a public announcement about people working longer hours. It could be if you constantly leave work before everyone else, maybe your boss will talk to you. Um, People do have performance assessments at different companies, right? That's not that unusual. And maybe it'll come up there. Um, And then in the very drastic cases, and these are probably, you know, maybe certain companies and not the norm in the industry, but maybe in certain cases, you will yearly bonus will suffer. So actually, when I talked to Seo Yang, he was saying like a lot of companies, let's say at Tencent, you might get five month um, 
yearly bonus, so five months of your salary, which is pretty nice, right? Um, but maybe if you, for a combination of reasons, in addition to not working as long as everyone else, um, maybe in the worst case scenario, your yearly salary could go down to like two months, right, instead of five months. So you lose three months salary worth of yearly bonus. And then of course, in like the worst or most extreme case, you're fired for not working I guess maybe you're perceived as not working as hard as your colleagues by, you know, going home early. It's this idea of cutting your workforce based on a ranking system or their performance and perhaps not working as long hours can count against you there. And then or maybe even just this fear, right? You know, people are being fired according to performance and maybe that fear makes you stay longer because it makes it look like you're working harder, right? Like if someone leaves the office last every day, in your mind, you're like, wow, that person works really hard. They're a really good employee. I think that's common reaction, right? So I think all these things together, you know, th it's a range of punishments and a range of factors that make people work 996. Or, you know, I think in this hand, 996 is kind of shorthand for working overtime. But, you know, in some places, it really is a system where it's enforced that you work 9 a.m., 9 p.m., clock in, clock out. And then in other cases, it's like a range of behavior that, that encourages people to stay longer. Yeah, doing research for this episode has been really insightful, at least for me, because uh, it made me talk to a bunch of friends and people I know about this 906 thing. And one thing I discovered is that, especially here in Shanghai, when talking to people, that, that the culture is very different. A lot of people I speak to in the tech industry here in Shanghai, they just bluntly don't accept the 906 thing. Their attitude is... I want a life. So if any company I work for that's going to tell me I need to work overtime or stay until a certain time, I'm out. I'm here to finish my job and my project or what, whatever with the energy it takes, but no one's going to dictate how my life is. And at, at the same time, when you talk to mostly more junior, let's say, engineers, especially like in Beijing or Shenzhen, they are more like, you know, this is... I just got to do this. I just got to, you know, invest these years in having no life and working super hard so I can get somewhere. I mean, I think that oftentimes what we forget about the tech industry is that not everyone in this industry isn't just filled with people who are super passionate about changing the world, right? Like yeah. a big part about software is maintenance and stability and not building revolutionary things all the time. I think that's probably most of the work, right? It's just like making sure that the app works well. Um, I, I think it's okay. It's natural for people to be in the industry because they just want a good life or even living for the weekend, right? That's very common. Not everyone is like, I'm a software engineer because of some grand vision. I think that's very common worldwide. And I think then people need to accept that because it means then you really need to have robust labor laws, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do this labor for you because you need it. And I need, I have a mortgage to pay. Um, I have kids now. And if you want me to work overtime, that's fine, but just compensate me. Right. So I think, I guess I, I think like this, the mission driven thing, like it works to a point, but it doesn't mean you can't have these basic things in place so that for everyone else who's not just driven by the mission or when people move into different period phases of their life, like they're totally unprotected and they feel like I need to give up all my time for this and I'm not being compensated. 
Totally agree. I mean, most founders and CEOs around here work 24 hours a day, but that doesn't mean you should expect that of your employees that are there to do a specific task sometimes. And if you can't make them feel part of the mission, then then you should definitely not expect that from them. Doesn't mean they are bad employees or doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. It just means that people have different interests of life. But don't don't you think this is also about the generational shift going on? I mean, our parents, they grew up in China and that generation grew up in China where everything was about just working hard, pulling your hours, prioritize the money before any joy in life because, you know, we're poor and we need to get somewhere. And now we're seeing this new generation getting educated to engineers or marketeers or whatnot. And now actually based on the feedback from their parents also are reflecting over, you know what, should I work myself to death or should I just actually also try to enjoy life? Life is pretty short. Yeah, definitely. I think part of it is just generational shift, but also the growing cost of living. So even if you work at a tech company that pays you okay, but you have to work overtime, let's say you get paid 20,000 RMB a month, which is pretty good, right? It's Mm -hmm. pretty good and probably higher than most entry-level developer jobs. But even with 20,000 RMB a month, can you really afford a house in Shenzhen, an apartment in Shanghai, Beijing? You know, you would have to take out loans, you would need help. Like, it's just, I feel like, there's also this sense that even if you get paid okay and you work long out and you work long hours, it's still really, really hard to like have a good education for your kid, send them to a good school, have an apartment, and these basic things that like maybe a few generations ago you could reasonably think about like I'm gonna work my ass off and my kids are gonna have an amazing life. Like that dream is seems more tangible than mm-hmm. now where it's like, oh God, like I'm gonna have to be really, really wealthy. To, like semi, to have good health care, good education, apartment in a big city for my family. So I don't, I don't know if the gap then that also contributes or that perception contributes this feeling of like, why do I work overtime? What's in it for me? Yeah, just by listening to you, it creates more anxiety with the latter option, i.e. I need to do all of this to make money just, you know, in order to get my kids education or in order to just get a house that is expected of me versus maybe the previous generation where you had less to lose but way more to win. I guess something interesting to think about, I guess, in wrapping up this discussion 996 is like what's the impact, right, of 996 being like this keyword, this this buzzword, um, and also like a normal concept in China's tech industry. I mean, what do you think? I think the timing is kind of perfect because we got a slowing economy. Uh, we got a bunch of tech companies that need to mature in sense of, you know, actually creating new innovation that we're seeing very widely in, in China. And the reason why this discussion is really, really good to have is obviously that innovation doesn't come from you forcing all of your people to work 12 hours a day and just sit there and innovate, you know? Innovation comes from different sources and different types of people. And it comes from usually very smart people that kind of need their freedom in order to create really, really good things for you as a company. So, and up until today, with the really rapid growth of the internet economy in China, especially with industries such as O2O that's really heavy on headcount, 
and just needs a lot of people running around executing, w whether it is coordinating all the drivers to, you know, send your food out or it is, you know, answering to customer service requests or whatnot. Uh, we're, we're seeing a tremendous shift right now that the tech companies are entering the next stage, which is more about how to make stuff more efficient, you know, how to stand out versus your competition with more than just being able to throw more people at the problem due to the lack of investments. And all of that actually are much more complex problems that needs a totally different type of problem solving. Yeah, I think like this term, you know, this idea of China needing to shift towards higher quality growth, I mean, it's such a buzzword as a policy direction, not just in tech, but in general. I was joking with uh, other colleagues uh, because I attended two sessions, this huge um, legislative gathering that happens once a year in China. There's a bunch of buzzwords that are terms, policy terms that are repeated constantly during these political gatherings. Um, and we were just joking, like we should do like a, a drinking game um, every time we hear it. Because people bring up like higher quality growth or like moderately prosperous society constantly. But yeah, going back to like this idea of higher quality growth, I guess the one thing is like um, I hope that as companies um, and management shift towards uh, more focusing on uh, more complex problems or building better products and just focusing on purely execution. I don't know. I guess I'm a bit worried that what will happen is just a lot of people won't have jobs. Like that will basically be the consequence of this higher quality growth, right? Or being more efficient. It's like going back to the episode last time about about the tech slowdown is, yeah, you can say it's a market correction. It's really healthy and all those things are true. Um, but then what about like the people that are kind of cut or um, you can say like, oh, we have a 996 system. So everyone kind of goes into this weird slump where people just stay at work and don't really, they're not really being productive, right? They're just there to clock in and clock out. And then suddenly they're like, okay, guys, now we're going to evaluate you on productivity and we're going to really be efficient. Like, I think, again, it's the similar thing where the companies kind of make all those decisions and in the end, um, they'll just cut a bunch of people um, and not really deal with the labor issue, which is like, you know, compensating people for the time, not forcing them to work overtime if it's not necessary. But yeah, maybe again, like going back to what Xiaoyang said, it's just like, you know, there's so many people in China and relatively fewer job positions. So, you know, you just, that's why companies have this option to like make you work all the time and maybe not compensate you. Yeah, on the other hand, I feel that this is the only way to kind of force through a change, which is that, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're talking about that this topic is actually raised by the people working with the tasks, you know, not outsiders, no one else, people actually at the companies that feel this is a big issue. And if you just compare the average tech company in China versus the average European or American tech company, there's one thing the tech company in China is much worse at, which is talent development. You know, being able to take more responsibility over your employee, more than giving them free coffee or free lunch or whatever, but actually caring for these young people, having different professional development programs internally, uh, enabling people to do career changes and progress in other ways than just working on your specific task right now. And that's one of the key things we see, you know, the very successful tech companies being very good at making you feel valued 
by bringing you more knowledge and helping you to develop. I mean, I'm pretty sure that most of the engineers we're talking about here in China, they would have no problem working until 11 p.m. every night if that extra two, three hours was something valuable for them and not just someone telling you, you got to sit your ass down here until 11 p.m. And for me, that I think that could potentially be the positive outcome. And I think a lot of the larger tech companies in China realize that as well. I've heard many great things about, for example, Alibaba's talent development, but mostly for the international staff, because that's the only way you retain talent when you start recruiting outside China. And I think that's kind of key if these companies want to grow and take over the world, which according to them, let's say Alibaba or Tencent or ByteDance, is what they want to do. Yeah, I guess the thing that makes me feel pessimistic about all of this is that a lot of the macro trends that drive 996, people's acceptance of it and companies' practice of it, isn't really changing, you know? There are a lot of people that can be hired for the job and fewer jobs, and that will probably get worse as the economy slows down and the tech industry slows down. And what does that mean? It means that employees are in a more vulnerable position because they just want a job and they just want the money and the employer can't hire as many people. So with that imbalance, it makes it even easier for these kinds of situations, maybe in the worst case scenario, abuses to happen, right? Um, and I, I don't really know if that'll go away. And also, Xu Ming, who has their main contribution to the ICU, the GitHub project, is on labor laws. And I asked him, like, oh, do you think this GitHub project will have any impact, you know? And this is what he said. I think it's unlikely to really change the situation under China's current environment. According to labor regulations, it's already illegal, but these tech giants still do it. So even though there are laws and regulations, there's no effect. Even the law cannot regulate them. So yeah, I think like, you know, it's not that China doesn't have laws to hold companies accountable for regular overtime without compensation like it exists. It means that it's not enforced. Um, or that people don't feel like they can complain to their manager, right? They can't be like, hey, you know, according to the laws, you have to do this, so you need to do it. I, I personally don't think that's going to be a trend of people, like, gathering together to organize at tech companies because they're being, they're working without pay, essentially. And it goes back to that imbalance, right? Like, you want the job, the salary is relatively good compared to other jobs, and maybe you just feel lucky that you're employed by Alibaba or by... Um, a tech company that pays you decently compared to other industries. And if that's the case, like, why would companies feel incentivized to treat their employers be employees better in the short term, right? Well, actually, the first thing that hit me while we were looking into the whole 996 thing is that it's a huge opportunity for any company that wants to communicate, you know what, we don't have a 996. We actually, you know, want you to have some time over for your life so, you know, you can be more creative at work. And we offer okay salaries. And considering the huge competition in China, it wouldn't be weird that a bunch of tech companies would be starting to communicate a message like that in order to attract that exactly, you know, very, very highly skilled talent group. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. Another friend was saying that um, some developers might see that if you don't have people working overtime, that your company is not competitive, right? Again, it goes back to this pressure or this perception of being a competitive company that can make it in China's tech industry. And also, Xu Ming, he said that, like, 
one of the consequences of 996 is that, especially at big companies, is that some people will work at like a large 996 company and then they leave that company to start their own, to found their own startups. And, you know, if you work at this large company that does 996 but is very successful or expands quickly, then you kind of think like, oh, um, I'm going to bring this practice into my startup because that's what worked at my previous employer. So I think that like, you know, on one hand, people are like, oh, working overtime without compensation really sucks, but I have to do it for money or to survive against competition. And then on the other hand, some people are like, yeah, if you don't do this, then you're not like, you're not going to be a successful company. So I do think that people still, there are, there's a significant group of people that weirdly, like if a company's like, hey, we have great benefits and great work-life balance people will be like, oh, then maybe you'll be bankrupt. You know, like I think there there are a lot of people who might take it that way. Yeah, to keep in mind. yeah, you're right. But on the other hand, you know, we are seeing innovations from other countries, Spotify from Sweden, and they basically never work in Sweden, but they still manage to do that company, you know. So I think it's a question about maturity and education at the end of the day. And that's got to start with a discussion like this and and the forces being mobilized and uh, this becoming more transparent and uh, allowing people to probably choose different ways to live. Some people want this super mission-driven type of job where you work very hard. Some people want to just work very hard to learn. And some people want to have weekends off because that's how they kind of refuel in order to even work during Monday to Friday. And with that, thanks again for listening to our discussion on 996. As always, if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find us on Twitter and message us there. Thank you. 